like shopping experience like to anyone like like later so for now let's just start all about i just start with uh, my own e-commerce company. So I kind of like changed from one idea. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Crater. Today we're sitting down with Christy Kim, the founder of Tomo Credit, to talk about the Silicon Valley startup scene, building credit, and how you can start earning crypto by building your credit. Okay, so Christy is somebody who has been involved in the Silicon Valley startup scene for um, a little over five years, closing in on 10 years now. And she's somebody who knows a lot about the space. Okay, she started her first company, ended up raising funding, selling that company, moving on to where she's at right now with Tomo Credit, where she's basically allowing people who are unable to um, basically use their credit to qualify for financial products to build their credit in a different way and to allow banks to start looking at some different variables other than the traditional credit scoring variables. So I'm super stoked to dive into that because it's something that I'm super passionate about, again, building credit. And also, um, this is the perfect solution for a lot of entrepreneurs out there, myself included, who want to start investing into real estate but are unable to do so because the banks want to see two years of consistent income before they will lend you any significant amount of money. And for people like myself who have enough money for a down payment and can easily make monthly mortgage payments but are unable to get that loan from the bank this solution that christy's got right here is absolutely amazing so i'm super stoked to dive into that met her at an event where i was speaking in arizona a few months ago connected with her she seemed like a very amazing individual so that's why we've got her on the podcast here today so without further ado i'm gonna welcome christy kim to the show so i want you guys to sit back relax plug in and enjoy this episode of young smart money all right christy welcome to young smart money how are you doing today I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I am very stoked to be chatting with you. Um, our listeners got to hear a little bit about you in the intro to this episode, but for those of them that are not familiar with Christy Kim and what you're currently working on right now, could you give us like a quick 60 second like snapshot of what you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. So I'm a co-founder of Tomo Credit. Tomo Credit is a fintech startup based in San Francisco. So my friends and I, we started this company to basically help uh, people, especially young people, have bad credit score uh, or no score to like build their credit score or have access to credit that they want. Awesome. And that's a mission that I'm super on board with as well. Um, I'm always talking about building credit with my audience. <clears throat> so I'm stoked to be chatting with you about that. So um, I, I do like to start these episodes, though, by sort of flashing back in time a bit um, because we do have a younger audience here. So let's start with like middle school and high school years. I want to hear what you were up to um, at that age. Were you already getting interested in the world of entrepreneurship? Were you taking school seriously? Or like, what did that young age look like for you? Oh, yeah. So, well, I didn't expect this question. <laughs> Me, um, in middle school, high school, I was like a typical type A, like Asian student. Like... <laughs> I thought that I would go to law school, become a lawyer. Um, so I was like pretty much, um, yeah, like very academic. Um, and uh, but also I, uh, but I enjoy sports. So like I was, I just loved school. And then like, I think that I did pretty well. So I, I liked it. I didn't really think much about finance or a startup at the time. Um, so it's kind of fascinating to me that how my world had changed. Uh, for me, the very first time I learned about like startup and angel investing um, is when I was junior in college. Wow. It was like senior, I think. It was I was like junior or senior in college. I took a class and then the professor is like, oh, what's the difference between angel investing? angel investing and like uh what was that oh, bc investing right the mm -hmm. institutional investing i remember i still remember the slide but i was thinking like what is angel investing right <laughs> i'm like <laughs> i was just really thinking about the angel like the image i'm like <laughs> what is it and then um i learned uh like pretty quickly because i think the class so i went to uc berkeley for undergraduate and then the professor who taught the class, I think he was amazing. It was his very first year teaching at Berkeley. He just got hired um, and he was teaching 
entrepreneurship class. And because it was new, instead of relying on the uh, textbook materials, he would invite all the entrepreneurs and investors uh, to the class and let them share their story. I think that was just amazing. That's actually how I got my first job hmm. uh, out of college. First internship and after that job, he invited an investor um, to talk about his experience. And I was like, well, sounds very fascinating. <laughs> I want to learn more. And then after the class, I literally just walked up to him and say, oh, I, uh, I'd love to learn more about what you do. And I got his contact. And then I was just telling him that I'd love to like work as an intern. So basically, I got the job. And then like, that's the first time I learned a lot about more about the investment side. So my first taste in the startup was in investing. Um, and then after that, like I finally, you know, uh, started my own company back in 2014. That was wow. my first startup. Yeah. <laughs> so what led you from uh, becoming or sort of like this internship and then like full-time position with this investment banking um, space? What led you from there into then starting your own company? Yeah, I, um, I enjoyed um, investment banking, actually. Okay. So it was, I didn't really plan that, okay, after banking, I will do X, Y, G. Yeah. I, I, I found what I liked, which was investing. Um, and so my boss, he, so he, he also invested like his personal money too. So he was mm -hmm. an active angel investor and also like uh, owns an, a boutique investment bank. So for me, it was a really good experience to learn how the entire ecosystem works. Yeah. Because right? I hear them talking about entrepreneurs. I hear them evaluating companies and things like that. And I naturally kind of thought about like, what if I start a company? Like if I start a company, like which company it can be, it should be, or what do I want to do? And then, um, yeah, and then I uh, thought about multiple ideas that I had at the time. And then there's one idea that I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I and like, ended up like deciding working on it. But I think what happened to me is actually, um, I would describe it as like, you get exposed to, uh, to startup and then uh, entrepreneurs and experienced entrepreneurs and you kind of like start putting your imagining you being in their shoes and then mentally kind of like you feel comfortable that okay maybe I can do this if that guy can do it I think I can do it right <laughs> and then so you start like thinking that like, okay you can do it and it kind of like it really helps you to actually um, get out of your comfort zone and have to give a shot so I think that's what happened to me. I actually never thought about it that much <laughs> until now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it seems like having those people around you who are all like in the ecosystem was really beneficial because you're able to like actually see like their firsthand experiences. Yeah. Exactly. I think you summarize it really well. Um, I think it's really important to um, get good exposure, right? And then you. So in the beginning. I didn't know like anything like what do you have to do to start a company and how difficult it's going to be. Mm -hmm. and, and then the investment bank that I was at, our focus was M&A, selling the company. So mm -hmm. I would meet the founders when they are actually, you know, like about to sell the company and make money. <laughs> so it was more like a finish line, right? Yeah. Those people are all very accomplished um, and talented founders, right? So I'm meeting them like at the end of kind of their successive career. So I learned a lot from them and then kind of, they kind of set this positive image that what a startup founder, successful startup founders like will look like at the end of their like journey. So I think that kind of gave me really positive, like kind of even like influence that, okay, if I start the company now, like in the future, that's where I'm going to end up at. Yeah. Hmm. In yeah. yeah. So do you have any advice for the younger listeners about like how they can begin to sort of surround themselves with these high level individuals and these people who can like sort of show them what's possible? Yeah, definitely. I think 
um, you just have to start somewhere. So in the beginning, it doesn't really, uh, really matter um, like, uh, like which industry specifically. I think if you like know what you want or what you want to learn, like the first step is you like, just like think about like the people in your network that who, who like, who have experienced can I actually take you back? Can you ask yeah. me the question again? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how would you advise a younger listener on how they can begin to associate themselves with those people who, who have been successful in the industries that they want to be successful in or like the people that they can use to model success? Yes, that's a really good question. I actually um, tell my younger brother that instead of like worrying too much or trying to like come up with a perfect plan, just start somewhere. Because starting somewhere is better than just like waiting. Yep. So you can just start like thinking if you are in school, it can be your friends who's already doing what you want to do, or it can be uh, your like faculty members or guest speakers. Actually, like opportunities are like everywhere, and then you just have to like know what is like what you, you are interested in and then kind of reach out or just show up if there is an event in campus, like show up and talk to uh, the guest and then, you know, like ask questions and actually like people are like surprisingly like, like, like supportive in a way that, especially when you are in school, I think when you're in school is that's the best timing of in your life that you can easily ask for advice, ask for help to anyone technically, because people want to help people want to like, give give advice and they want to be supportive yeah absolutely i think a lot of people are just afraid to ask questions but i found that whenever i do like take that leap ask that question it's like you never get met with the negative response that you think you're going to be met with like people are always like super willing to help you out and super willing to, to answer your questions especially like faculty members for sure yeah and then the worst you know case scenario you will run into is like oh it's cute stupid question that's the worst yeah that's it <laughs> you don't have to like worry too much <laughs> exactly exactly so all right so you were learning um from these successful entrepreneurs when you were working in that investment banking position and then you sort of decided that you wanted to go off on your own and start something um what was where did the idea come from for your first company the first company it was actually an e-commerce company and I, uh, I first thought about it actually um, back in the class uh, that I was talking about. Hmm. It, it's either a junior or senior year. Yeah, so I, it was like that, that, so that class I just told you about. So at the end of, for the final exam, the professor asked us to work on, work on a project as if we are starting this company. Work on this project and instead of, of like final exam, you have to present it uh, um, the last day of the class. So the idea was, um, at the time my idea was like connecting all the different e-commerce companies uh, like worldwide. Because I am originally from South Korea and um, some of my friends back in Korea would ask me, Christy, like, can you go to Jara? Or can you go to <laughs> like, Bloomingdale's and buy this and ship it to us? I will pay you, right? <laughs> and I'm like, why? And then they would tell me that because it's cheaper in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. so it was like, so, so the class project, what I did was oh, connecting the different e-commerce sites and then offering like free translation. So people in Korea can just order stuff in the U.S., hmm. um, but they can uh, save money on shipping because uh, I uh, through the bulk, bulk like the shipping system. So anyway, that was like the like the idea that I worked on, and then um, after investment banking, I thought about it, and then I felt like oh, that's exciting but I kind of like didn't know how to start there so I was like okay what about starting my own e-commerce company and then maybe like I can just um, do it to provide that kind of like uh, uh, like shopping experience like to anyone like 
like later. So for now, let's just start all about, I just start with uh, my own e-commerce company. So I kind of like changed from one idea to another idea, more like easy to execute, right? Easier yeah. to execute idea. And then um, my mom is a fashion designer in South Korea. So mm-hmm. I was exposed to this like retail industry, especially like women's fashion and accessories. So I started, uh, I picked a vertical as like women's fashion accessory and I started like my website and it was, it was um, really fun and also great, great learning experience. I still remember when I first built the website, um, we were uh, using Stripe, Stripe uh, as our backend uh, payment solution and Stripe was a new company at the time so when I had questions I was able to just send emails to their CTO (laughs) (laughs) right so um so by just building e-commerce company I learned a lot about different like payment platforms and different uh, like shipping tools or shipping softwares and things like that so I kind of like learned a lot and it was really fun and then the company like uh, eventually like got funding and I built a team. So it was a really good experience. And yeah, so I would, looking back, like I think I was able to jump into it, jump right into it because I didn't like know much in mm-hmm. a way. I didn't really like, if I knew actually like how, uh, challenging it can be maybe I would have been more afraid but in the beginning as I said because I just like uh, I interacted with all the successful founders <laughs> and then I I yeah I, I started this company with such a positive mindset and without like worrying too much and actually I think looking back that all worked out really well because I was not experienced but I had like I had a courage to do it so it's more like a blessing in disguise yeah absolutely so one thing that i'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking right now is like you were able to raise funding on your first ever business like the first thing that you started you were able to like go through and raise funding on that so how were you able to do that i mean you said you had a lot of courage because you didn't really know what to expect but that's i mean that's pretty remarkable for somebody's first venture yeah so i didn't have a plan like like that oh I should raise money how much money I yeah or who I'm gonna talk to I didn't have the plan what I did is I just started taking photos of the inventory and build the website and build a mobile app because I had because I've been living in Silicon Valley for a long time I had like developer friends so we uh, started just working on the product and then I'm like okay now um, I need to find investors. So what I did was just, I reached out to the people I already knew. Mm. And then I asked them their help. I told them, oh, this is what I'm working on. And I think um, this can be a really good company. And I'm looking for investors. Do you know anyone? And then like um, that person would give me two or three names or make intros and I just talk to them. That's how I did in the beginning. And yeah, yeah. And then I think it's kind of similar to even how I got my first, uh, my, my internship that I, I described. Um, it's you, uh, you just have to start somewhere, right? In the, like you don't, you don't have to have the list of all the top investors in, like in the Bay Area, you don't have to, to have all the connections. You, you just start from somewhere and then people help along the way and then you end, end up with the right person. Mm, absolutely. So did you end up exiting that company or how did you transition then from there to the next thing you did? Yeah, so the first company, like I personally uh, see it as a huge success, but like financially turns like it was not so great Mm. it was okay because i um i realized that e-commerce is a 
not specifically e-commerce, but fashion, like retail is not my true calling. Mm. So it's kind of interesting because uh, the first year, I really loved like every single day of running the company. And the second year, I just realized that like I enjoy more of building the website, building the app, like dealing with the payment solution, dealing with like softwares, not like getting featured on like Vogue or getting featured Mm -hmm. on like all the fashion magazines. Because like second year, I had to spend lots of time doing marketing and PR. Right. And then actually, so my, our company, my company got featured on like Mazar Stewart wedding and some top like magazines and like gained the following and yeah, like got covered by good, uh, like, a, like San Francisco, like a fashion, like hmm. panels. So we were, we were getting good traction, but I didn't really enjoy it. So I kind of either, so I had two choices. Number one, I could go out and raise more money. And then, you know, like, like just work on this for next five to 10 years, right? Or second route is like, I just have to like admit that, well, like I don't really enjoy this or this is not my true calling, right? I can be, I could, I, I could be, a decent CEO, but I didn't picture myself as a super successful CEO by running this company. Sure. Really good job marketing. Yeah, so I think, so I uh, communicated with my team and my investors and then we all like thought that, you know, like at that time, maybe it's better to just uh, sell the company, like sell the, sell the brand, uh, brand license. So I started like talking to um, other bigger e-commerce companies that I was close with to see if they like want to work, they want to like buy the brand, buy the brand license. So yeah. And then eventually, yeah. So I um, exited it at the, after like two years, 2.5 years. Yeah. Wow. So then what brought you from there to Tomo credit where you are right now? So Tomo Credit, I first um, thought about this problem, um, like the credit score, because I had a bad credit score when I was graduating from college. Hmm. Um, So I know how difficult it is to start your other life with bad credit score. So I thought about it like time to time, uh, but was not sure what I can actually do, right? Because it's not like building an e-commerce company, e-commerce site. It's really big and challenging problem, right? So I was not sure like where to start. Mm-hmm. So again, like I'm the type of person who really believes that I have to start somewhere instead of just like keep like waiting or sure. being in my head. So I... Uh, got a job at like Credit Sesame, which mm. is uh, I'm it's a competitor of like Credit Karma. Credit Karma, Credit Sesame, Nerd Wallet, they're kind of all the same. Um, like they like commend you the financial products based on your credit score, right? Yeah. So I joined the company and then I ran their partnership. So I, I managed their 50 plus um, partners, like lenders in the US. Mm. It was a great experience to learn about it. Okay, what are the lenders um, doing well, like in the U.S., and then what are the what kind of customers they want? Certain lenders they are saying that oh, we only want seven hundred plus credit score. We only want seven fifty plus credit score in California or hmm. in certain states. So they would give me the requirements, uh, and then I give them the traffic. So that was interesting learning. And then that helped me understand the landscape of how the, how the lending system works. There are customers with wide range of credit score and there are uh, banks and lenders um, with different products, student loan, auto loan, like credit cards, mortgage, um, with specific requirements, right? Like how to match 
these borrowers and lenders. So that's uh, the first step, baby step for me to learn about the industry. And then after that, I um, thought that right now, the whole system is based on the credit bureau data, right? Yeah. How the borrowers and lenders are matched, it's based on the credit score. But what if the credit score is inaccurate? What if the credit score is outdated? So, um, so to answer to that is, we should look at different data, like not just credit score. So that got me, that gave me the idea that, okay, why don't I build like credit score alternative or credit score competitor? Mm. <laughs> and then um, if I build this, who are going to be my customers? And the answer was lenders, right? Because lenders are the one who pay for the data. Lenders, are, lenders pay for, pay credit bureaus to buy credit bureau data, right? And then I decided that, okay, I will build something um, that can be uh, meaningful, um, meaningful, like it's meaningful data points that can be used on top of credit bureau data. So it's like complementary data set, right? And then maybe I can sell to the lenders. Lenders can start buying my data and then use this with credit bureau data or use this without credit bureau data and then like find out if they want more of my data or not. So that's how I got the idea. Huh, super interesting. So like what, what kind of data points did you think would be particularly like impactful um, when, when creating this new sort of metric? What are the, uh, what variables? Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, uh, I had some like assumptions, right? Maybe okay. like social data, like how many friends you have, hmm. how many phone calls you make. But, but it turned out that actually the data points that lenders, my clients, partners are uh, more interested in acquiring is e-commerce data, like a purchasing data and um, asset data. So it's about like how much money you actually have in your savings account and where did you spend money? So that's, uh, that's actually our current focus right now. Hmm. That's, that's fascinating. So based on like how much, how much, how much assets a person has and like what they're spending their money on, you can sort of paint a little bit of a picture on like how trustworthy a borrower they'll be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So first the, so one, one simple word is like purchasing power, right? So if I look at, let's say, uh, your like mm -hmm. spending, uh, history for last six months, and then it turned out that you are flying, uh, uh, international, like first class like <laughs> five times last six months. And then your credit score is like 500. <laughs> <laughs> at least I know that you were able to uh, purchase like first class tickets for the last five, five, five times, right? Mm -hmm. so at least I have an understanding of your, spend, your like spending power, so purchasing power, right? Mm -hmm. So for the lender's perspective, that's really valuable data point. And also like how much money um, uh, savings you have on your bank account. So if someone has like 500K or even 100K, 50K, in their savings account, but happen to have 500 credit score, it's not as bad as someone with 500 uh, credit score with no saving. Mm. That's, that's super interesting because I know a lot of young people who are like 18, 19, 20 years old, and they've made a significant amount of money through their own ventures, but they're not able to get a mortgage for a house because the banks look at them and they're like, you've only been building credit for like two years. Uh, it doesn't matter that they have like hundreds of thousands, like they could buy the house in cash if they wanted to, um, but they can't get a mortgage because they, they haven't had income for like two straight years or they haven't been building credit for long enough. So um, there's, I mean, I have a lot of friends that I know that could definitely like benefit from something like that. Oh my God. Yeah. They're <laughs> the, yeah, they will love it. Um, yeah. I, 
uh, yeah, I, I have friends like telling me that like, Christy, like I made so much money like from Bitcoin, but <laughs> I cannot buy, I cannot get the mortgage. You know? <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, wait for it. Uh, I will help you. <laughs> yeah. So when you were just starting off, like who was, who was your target like audience? Like who were the target people that you're like, this could, this could really help them out? Yeah. So there are like three uh, buckets. Um, mm -hmm. Number one is uh, like younger, uh, like generation, right? Sure. That just don't have uh, long enough credit history. Yeah. Um, and, and didn't have a chance to build credit. Um, and second target is like high skilled immigrants, people who mm. come to the US. Uh, for example, like a doctor from Hong Kong can move here, like, right, tomorrow with like 1 million like asset with him. But if he comes here tomorrow, his, his credit score starts from like basically nothing. Yeah. It will take him a long time to build credit score. So that's the second target. And then the third target is um, uh, like self-employed people. So like small business owners. So they tend to uh, report their earnings like lower than they actually make. So their W-2 always say they make less, yeah. <laughs> right? So if they go to a bank for the mortgage, like bank are like, what? You only make this, right? W-2 <laughs> is not great. So they're always like kind of misrepresented uh, by the system. So yeah, that's our third bucket. Huh, super interesting. So as, as time goes on, um, have you had any like mentors in the startup space? Because clearly this is your second venture now. Um, have you had any people who have like really helped you along? Clearly at the very beginning, you had those people that you could look up to and learn from a little bit um, in your investment banking position. But like, have you had really like role models, people that have like worked one-on-one -on -one with you to like show you the ropes? Or has it mostly just been like trial and error? I had a really good mentors along the way. Right? I, you know, still uh, keep in touch with them and like, and thankful that they uh, shared their like advice with me along the way. Um, and I, I recently thought about it. I was thinking that. I was like, first, I think I was fortunate in a way that like the fact that I was in that class or the fact that like I was like in Silicon Valley, or I was in college in Silicon Valley, like that, the fact it was like kind of, I thought that I was like fortunate that I, uh, I was there like at the time. And but the most important thing is looking back is like I was not afraid to kind of ask questions or like reach out, hmm. right? And then started from there. And then once you um, build relationship with people that you admire and you want to learn from, um, the last kind of like happens like naturally. I never really thought about, okay, like who are my mentors? <laughs> right yeah or like oh, what should I do I never really thought about it, it kind of like the reaching out is the first part and after that like things kind of like go naturally because sometimes they would ask me my input was something they do like for example like my mentor when he published a book he kind of wanted to me to take a first look because he was curious how the younger audience would react to it hmm. right for him, I'm the younger audience. <laughs> so I was like thrilled to, you know, uh, read his book and then give him some, you know, my feedback. So after, yeah. So I think um, the advice or like takeaway is more like, you don't have to like stress out about it and like, and think, and think that like you have to have like certain set of mentors. It's more like you just have to be comfortable like reaching out to people um, and talking to people and then let the rest just like roll like naturally. Absolutely. And, and one thing that you brought up there that I think is really valuable is that like with these relationships, they were like a two-way street. So like you were giving them value and they were giving you value. Like this dude was like helping you out and then you were helping him out by, by reading his book or taking a look at it. Like it wasn't just like, 
asking someone for, for help and not really giving them anything. Cause I see a lot of young people just because, like going up to someone, asking them to like mentor me or like help me out with this. And they're not offering any value in return. So I think that's a really important thing to think about is like when you're asking someone or when you want someone to like give you some, some advice or some mentorship, like think about how you can bring value to that person as well. Because if it's a two-way street, um, that relationship's going to last a lot longer and it's going to be a lot stronger, at least in my experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you are smart if you already like have like noticed that. Because when you are in a more like receiving end, sometimes it's hard to think about it that way, right? Mm -hmm. But the relation, if it's two-way street, the relationships just get stronger and then it just lasts like longer. Exactly, exactly. So at this point, you've, you've built two different teams, um, at least two different teams based on your two different companies. Um, can you talk to our listeners about that process and how you were able to build these teams around you um, and basically what that looked like? Building the team, yeah, yeah. So it's really, really important uh, for you to be fully committed first. Mm. Um, people often think that I cannot do this because I don't have a co-founder. I cannot do this because I don't have a developer or team. But my, I always think that, well, if I am super committed and I work hard and I am, I'm, I'm not dumb. <laughs> and, I will attract the right person. Um, so if you have the mentality, actually things uh, things can work out like easier than you would imagine. So the first company and second company, current like the Toma Credit, I was the only one who was fully committed in day one. So I started it and I was the only one like, I'm going to do this. Like mm -hmm. 200 committed if you're that serious committed it gets easier to convince someone because it it shows right it's not like oh do you want to do this how about we do this together right right like you yeah. do, it's like oh i will do it if you do it you know <laughs> it's not like that i'm like i'm gonna do it like and then i kind of figure things out as much as i can and then i talk to my developer friend i talk to my friend i i think uh has a good skill set uh, or valuable skill set that can uh, like help the company, and then I basically I pitch, and then hmm. uh, and then you know, and then th and then see how things go, right? Um, and then because because team dynamic changes like every single day, so it's almost impossible for you to find the perfect perfect co-founder like you guys become like good co-founders and perfect co-founders all along the way from in the beginning you just like learn about you are learning about each other right so yeah for me I always had the mentality that I will uh you know I'm committed and then I will attract the right person uh and then like not and then just see how it goes instead of like putting too much pressure to yeah, the other person that, oh, you have to join by this date or anything like that. <laughs> Absolutely. So what what brought like your full commitment? Like what made you so committed to both of these different ventures? Like how did you make sure that you weren't like one foot in, one foot out? Partially it's, um, it's like nature in a way that I always thought that I rather fail than just like wondering like what if, like what if I did this? For me, I would uh, be happy if I just fail. And then I can just say, okay, I tried it and I failed, right? Hmm. So maybe I have a higher risk appetite than other people. Um, I, I, I wonder, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder. Um, and, and I think it's important because because I, well, I, um, so between my first company and second company, I went back to school. Like, so I did MBA at UC Berkeley. So I went back to the same school to, for, uh, for MBA degree. And 
uh, seriously, I met more than like 10 students like coming to me and telling me that, oh, Christy, like I'm thinking about starting the company, like, <laughs> and then telling me about what they're trying to do. Only one out of these 10 people uh, is actually doing something. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah. So now I'm like, I'm kind, I'm a little bit skeptical if someone just like, tells me that, oh, I'm thinking about doing this. So I'm like, don't waste my time unless you're actually going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So like, I'm, I'm curious because you said like you, you really embrace and like lean into failure and it's not something that you're super like scared of. Um, does, does the opinions of other people, because I know that's something that a lot of young people struggle with is like, what are my parents going to think? What are my friends going to think if I do this and I fail? Like, what are other people going to think if I do this and I fail? And that's one of the things that holds a lot of people back. So has that ever been an issue for you? Like worrying about like what other people would think if you try this and you fail? I didn't tell my parents the first company. Really? I didn't tell my parents until I got funding, I think. Try to remember. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I didn't tell my parents when I quit my job. Uh, I didn't tell my parents when I started the website. I told them like later, a little bit later. And uh, the same thing. The second company, I didn't really tell them what's happening. Uh, I told them like like after fact. Oh, by the way, I started this company. Now I'm doing a startup again. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, and. I would say this, like, you cannot, like, please everyone. Um, so, you, sh yeah, it, it's not really worth thinking too much about, like, what would other people think or, uh, or yeah, because at the end of the day, um, People want people around you like want you to be successful, right? Uh, but they don't know like how, and it's like up to you to figure out, right? And then do what you what you want to do and what you enjoy doing, and then if you do it, people will eventually come around. That's how I look at things. Mm, could not have said it better myself. Christy, you've been dropping so much value on our listeners. I'm very grateful for that. I have a few questions that I, that I like to ask all of my guests before we do wrap up the show. So are you feeling ready for those? Yeah. Awesome. The first thing I'm curious about is what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? This could be in your business, in the wider realm of like startups, but like what's something that genuinely has you excited? Me excited. Getting good feedback <laughs> from <laughs> customers i mean i think literally um that really really excites me because um as i mentioned i thought about this like credit bureau credit score credit card these topics for a couple of years now and then finally i have a product and then i'm launching a new website uh, i'm updating the website mm -hmm. um, tomorrow um, tar specifically targeting the like, younger audience um, and offering them a new credit card. Only like new credit card is like a like a credit card like 2.0. <laughs> giving them really cool rewards like crypto as rewards or um, like a points uh, at like for like Uber or Airbnb, the companies that actually younger people love. Yeah, right? boring like like Best Buy or Costco. <laughs> yeah. So we are like launching it. And then I talked to um, more than like 30 people so far um, and that's their feedback. And they're like so excited. They're like, well, what? Can I get a crypto of like a cashback? <laughs> yeah. So you can actually, you know, like start investing <laughs> with a free crypto you earn, right? So, and then what's really cool is like, um, like younger audience, <laughs> like uh, this like new generation. I think they're just so smart. Yeah. And even like so, you like your audience. I think they're like all just amazing. That like they already think about like investing and how to make money or how to manage money. I think when I was like in high school or college, I think that was not really a the popular topic. 
But、mm-hmm. I think now, like this, like new generation, the society is like money is good, and you have to be smart about it, right? So it has like changed. Yeah. Really cool that younger people, you know, they, you know, they like they are excited to try something new, like excited to invest in new asset class or interested in trying out a new credit card or new product. So like seeing them excited about my product is like the total joy of my life now. <laughs> Absolutely, I know I'm super excited for it, and I'll be sure to、uh, put a link for it in the show notes for you guys who are listening if you want to check that out because I know I'm definitely going to be getting that as soon as it comes out because that is just amazing. Nobody else is doing that. I'm stoked for that.、Um, but Christy, another question that I'm curious about is whether you have any habits that have served you particularly well. Either in your business or your lifestyle, like things you do on a regular basis. I work out like religiously, like every day, and I think it helps me to be in a good mood.、Hmm. <laughs> yeah,、um, startup is hard because there are so many ups and downs. So I learned that it's really important for me to be in a good headspace,、uh, regardless of what is happening.、Hmm. Like investor meetings, partner meetings, or your team members, you don't have control, right? The only thing you have control is like your mood. <laughs> so I don't let this like other like the startup chaos to affect me like too much. So I I do yoga like yoga like every every morning, and I'm actually getting certified to be a teacher. Wow! So it really helps me to like. Be in a like good mood. Starting the day in a good mood every morning. So no matter how crazy the day、uh, is gonna be,、uh, gonna be like I just like at least I control my mood.、Hmm. Super super important. Like that's I'm the same way about like working out and making sure I get my body moving in the beginning of the day because like that's it's just a great way for me to like set my mood at like a high level and, and make sure that like however the day goes, I know I got something good done at the beginning of the day, and I'm like even if everything else falls apart, I know I got this done, so I know I can get through the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Christy, are there any books, podcasts,、um, audio books, YouTube videos, or just like is there any content that you're consuming right now on a regular basis? Oh, I should tell you this. So, <laughs> I haven't posted. Well, my friend was like telling me that I should、um, start a YouTube channel. By the way, he works at YouTube. He's like, <laughs> so I was visiting him last week for lunch、uh, in his office, like、uh, YouTube office, Google office, and then he, I was telling him、um, about the investor meetings uh, that I, uh, yeah, that I was、uh, having at the at the time, and he's like. Christy, like you should start a YouTube channel. So I'm like, why? And then he's like, he's like, because what you tell me is like so, so fascinating and fun. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. Like how many female founders are out there, right? And then doing some doing something in fintech. So maybe it's it's gonna be fun if you like share it. So I haven't done it, but like I wanna do it. That's like what I wanna do. If I do it, I will share. Yes. Posted. <laughs> <laughs> But the uh, the books uh, that I recommend,、uh, I, I was actually reading it or listening it yesterday was from from Mel Mel Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, her book "Take Control of Your Life"、mm-hmm. is amazing.、Um, so I started. I downloaded it on Audible, and she—it's、uh, like a therapy session. So she she recorded her therapy sessions with、uh, some of、uh, some of the guests, like a client. So yeah, it's it's just really helpful to understand, like helpful to like for you to think about like why you behave certain way or what are your blockers, and like help you kind of like get over. The blockers that you might have. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Mel Robbins is huge, and I'm I'm a huge, huge fan.、Um, she puts out a lot of amazing content, so I'm glad you brought her up. And yeah, if you start that YouTube channel, definitely let me know. I will be tuning in for sure. <laughs> I think that'd be super, super cool. So, Christy, last thing, like, where can our listeners go if they've been enjoying all the information you've been sharing? If they want to follow up with you, learn more about you, and、um, just follow along with what you're up to. 
Like me personally? You personally or Tomo Credit or both. Oh, yeah. I would be excited if they can like check out the website, right? TomoCredit.com. Uh, and then, yeah, I will send you the link. And for me, oh, yeah, Twitter. I think I use Twitter the most. Uh, it's at ChristyKim1015. Cool. Awesome. I will put links for both of those in the show notes for this episode. Again, Christy, super thankful for you being here on the podcast. Do you have any last closing thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to share with the listeners today before we wrap up? Oh, yes. I think you guys are amazing. I mean, you guys will do like 10 times better when you get 30. Because <laughs> I'm 30 right now. <laughs> because I think it's so amazing that, you know, like, you guys are already thinking about like finance or building better financial future. And that's really cool. So like keep it going and then uh, feel free to reach out to me if you have any like feedback. I'm, I'm excited to learn more. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. Well, Chrissy, again, I'm extremely grateful for you uh, sharing your time on the podcast here today. Um, I know you provided a ton of value to me and I'm sure you did to our listeners as well. So thank you very much for that. It has been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Bada bing, bada boom. That is a wrap, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this last episode of Young Smart Money. If you did, you know what to do. Um, Drop us a five-star review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. I literally run on reviews like they are the fuel that goes into my body and gets me jazzed up, fired up every single morning. So you take the time. Literally, it's like five seconds to drop a review. If you're in the podcast app, literally just go to Young Smart Money, scroll all the way down past all the episodes at the very bottom. There'll be a section that says write a review. If you could drop me all of your thoughts, all of your questions, all your comments, all your concerns, I would love to read those. I read each and every one of them um, and I really do take them all to heart. So that would mean a ton if you could do that. Otherwise, um, if you guys are wondering how I make money on the show, because if you all notice, I don't put sponsors on the podcast. I don't believe in that. I don't want to waste your time listening to some ad about Squarespace or whatever they're promoting these days on the podcast. And I've been approached by plenty of sponsors, believe me, but they all get shown where the door is because that's not what I believe in. But I am still able to monetize this podcast, turn it into a consistent five figures per month of income. If you guys are wondering how I do that, um, I put together a free cheat sheet for y'all. It's a little bit more than a cheat sheet. It's kind of like an ebook. It's like 20 some pages long where I laid out the 16 methods that I use to monetize my podcast. So if you guys are interested in that, I'm um, getting completely free. Just head over to applecriter.com slash cheat sheet. That's applecriter.com slash cheat sheet. And you can download that completely for free. Cheat sheet is all one word. Uh, don't ask me to spell it though, because I will probably mess up. So guys, applecriter.com slash cheat sheet for the free cheat sheet. How I'm able to monetize my podcast consistently at five figures per month off of that. Um, I really am passionate about podcasting and I want to teach y'all how to do it because I see these guys making videos on YouTube teaching you like the, the bare minimum, the basics, the stuff that nobody like needs to actually learn. Um, but it's, it's that advanced stuff. It's how to actually make money doing this without having to put sponsors on your show that I think is really, truly valuable. So that's why I wanted to share that with y'all. So guys, again, absolutely free to download. Link will also be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you decided to spend the last hour here with us on Young Smart Money.